The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Sendo. For more information, visit villagesendo.org. Uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Shinryu, and um, welcome back. We are back to our regular in-person and online schedule now after a week away. We had a week of pause to catch our breath and rest up after our summer ongo. We had a couple of weeks of intensive practice. Um, it's good to be back. It's good to see those of you in the room and uh, on screen, including a number of friends in Bolivia. Welcome. Um, so um, there were a number of folks in the community who were able to go up to Connecticut to participate in the retreat. And it was a um, residential intensive retreat for two weeks. Others of us were here in the city or online participating in the ANGO uh, in our own way. Um, and I know some of you in Bolivia also participated in the ANGO. And um, I, uh, I was able to go briefly and be there for the Jukai ceremony at the end of the first week, which was very nice. And uh, I enjoyed uh, talking with folks afterwards. Um, and it seemed to me like a lot of people had had a good retreat. What is it to have a good retreat? How could we possibly capture uh, in a word or a judgment like that, the density and complexity and intensity of a week of in-person practice together. But I think, I think they'd had a good retreat because I could sort of see it. I could see it in the way they carried themselves and their bearing. I could see it in the, or hear it in the tone of their voice. And especially in the faces, you can see that the faces change after a week of, of practice. They're open, they're clear. It's like all the, the little squinting of the eyes uh, dissolves and the, the tightness around the mouth dissolves. Um, there's a, a kind of relaxing of the, of the muscles that I think comes with uh, when something deep inside melts. So why does that happen? I think obviously it, it happens when we do a lot of sitting, a lot of zazen, um, but it also happens because we, we go with the program, we go with the schedule and the structure, and we don't actually have to think that much. The schedule thinks for us. That, that helps us to, to melt. But there's, there's another thing too, and I think that it is practicing with other people practicing that makes a difference. And this is the point that I wanted to, to look at together tonight. I'm a big believer in our Zoom online practice. It's been wonderful for us. It's brought in all sorts of new friends um, and allowed all of us to, to continue our practice even in isolation and so uh, it's, been, it's been 
fantastic for us. It was also lovely to see that a number of people who only came to us during the COVID online period uh, joined us for in-person retreat. People came all the way from Texas, from Maryland, from near Philly and, and elsewhere to be with us. Um, so that, that's wonderful. Um, but the people I talked to, including those who had only practiced with us online, said it makes such a difference when we're practicing together in person. And uh, it's true. Um, so th it's different. Um, they both have their, their value and virtues, but it's, it's not quite the same. So uh, here I just want to make a little plug and uh, invite you all to do an in-person retreat with us in the summer or the winter. Or if you're closer to the city, uh, come in for a monthly Zazenkai or a monthly Fusatsu or for a weekly Dharma talk or just everyday sitting. You know, in the old days, the um, the slot that would have the most in-person attendance was Sunday morning. And now that's the slot that has the most online attendance. But actually, we haven't recovered the amount of in-person attendance on, on Sunday morning. So consider, consider coming in, joining uh, the crew on Sunday mornings, and you'll have a chance to support Roshi and the Sunday morning openers, and you'll also you'll benefit too from practicing with others practicing. So uh, there's a metaphor for this practicing with others practicing that, that I like. I first heard it from Enkyo Roshi a long time ago, and then I encountered it again um, in a nice commentary by the West Coast teacher, Patricia Sunim Ikeda. And uh, it's the metaphor of the potatoes in the wash tub. So the traditional method for, for washing potatoes is you, you pluck them out of the earth and you dump them in a wash tub and you fill it with water and then you take a long pole and you stir it up and you stir it really, really, really vigorously. It doesn't clean up if you don't do it really vigorously. Um, but if you do it that way, the, the potatoes bump up against each other. They rub up against each other. And gradually, if you do it for a while, all of the muck and mire from the fields starts to fall away. And the rough spots uh, start to soften in the water and the bumping and smooth out. And in the end, you've got uh, some potatoes that just need a rinse and they can be chopped up and dropped in the pot. And this is how it is with our, with our practice as well. Um, we, uh, we really can clean up our act, <laughs> clean up our, our minds and our spirits when we do this, and when we come together, practice together, and bump up and rub up against one another. So uh, it takes friction to make that happen. It doesn't happen if we just sit back and uh, uh, not, not engage. 
We can be like a, uh, a potato sitting in the bottom corner of the tub, just hanging out, hiding out. And um, if we do that, we might not get bumped around as much, but we're not ever going to clear the muck and mire and soften those and smooth out those rough spots. So we might, we might hang back because we don't want people to see our muck and mire and rough spots. We might want to seem like, oh yeah, we've got it all together and we're, we're, um, you know, we don't need anything else from anyone. Um, maybe we just want to look good. And so we're afraid to expose ourselves. But really, the only thing that helps us with this process of cleaning up our act is to expose ourselves. And that means engaging with one another, bumping up against one another. And it's actually the people who rub you the wrong way the most who can be the most helpful for us in, in maturing in our practice. And I'm sure that everyone who did the retreat um, had a, a moment like this of rubbing up. It's uncomfortable. The ego doesn't like it. The ego would much rather be comfortable, be in control. And when you expose yourself like this in a community, you're no longer in control. And it's not always comfortable. And yet, that's what can help us the most. I remember once uh, in the Bolivian Sangha, there were a couple of people who were not really getting along. They sort of bristled around one, one another. They were sort of cold and remote around each other. So um, it was a little risky, but I ended up putting the two of them together as Tenzos in one of our retreats. <laughs> and what was the outcome of that experience? Well, the food was really good and it came out on time and they got along perfectly well ever after. They really did the work. And uh, yeah, they're, they're good Dharma friends. Um, there's another metaphor that um, is along the same lines that I recently account, uh, came across. And it's from uh, Aoyama Roshi. Aoyama Roshi is a very um, uh, senior, um, very distinguished and very rigorous uh, woman teacher in Japan uh, who's been responsible for training many people um, at the monastery where she, where she teaches. And this is her teaching of becoming water. So I'll read it to you. She said, I often tell trainee monks, and she used the word unsui. Unsui is a Japanese term, which means cloud water. And it refers to the fact that when people ordain, it's considered that they are um, taking vows, abandoning, abandoning their homes, and then just floating without any abode, fixed abode, um, and without any fixed sense of themselves, right? Um, this is the ideal of, of a monk or nun, Unsui. So she says, I often tell Unsui that Dogen Zenji said, even if you practice Zazen to the point of breaking the floor, you must not practice with the small self. 
he said, practices selflessness. In the context of trainee monks, I refer to this practice of selflessness as the practice of becoming water. It is the ice that says, I am. It is the practice, uh, this is the practice of melting the ice of I am into water with the light of Buddha Dharma. If either person were water, they would not collide. If both are ice, it can't be helped that there will be a collision. Therefore, one of the major aspirations of this practice is to live in a large room. There are five or even 10 people living in one room. This is a reference to the training halls in a monastery in Japan where people sleep together, sit together, have meals together uh, throughout the day. They can never get away from one another, she says. Um, there are all kinds of people. It is very difficult to live 24 hours a day, 365 days a year with all kinds of people. That is why it is training. That's why I told them to think of the training in a big room as training to become selfless and training to become water. If both of them are ice, there is no way there won't be collisions. But if one of them is water, there will be no collision. As long as there's a collision, you say, oh, I'm also ice. Another thing is, thanks to the other person's ice, I was made aware of my own ice. Worship the other person's ice. That is what I say to trainee monks. So, um, you know, I think when we're on retreat, uh, sometimes we'll see someone just moving about the zendo, and it seems like they're really flowing completely naturally. Um, it can be a little dangerous because we, we project a lot when we're on retreat and we see some people as they're, as they're perfectly smooth, they've got it all together, when in fact they may be actually working really hard with their own ice or being uh, scraped by somebody else. But that can be inspiring to see someone who seems to, to flow in that way, inspiring for us. I'd like to be able to flow like that. The other problem is, however, that it can seem like, oh, I'll never be able to flow like that. I can never achieve that. That's another problem. And it's important to keep in mind that actually all of us flow again and again throughout the day without even realizing it. If we realize it, then we're no longer flowing. If we're thinking, oh, I'm flowing naturally, that's already the ice freezing up, and then we're due for a collision. But um, she says, it's the ice that says I am. And we all do this um, just by being human beings. We've grown up, we've developed a sense of ourselves, an identity, a self, in, by which we distinguish ourselves from others. And that's the separation that she's talking about. Uh, that inevitably leads to collision. It's that, that hardening of the self um, that, that leads to our selfishness. And that can become very painful when we collide enough times or scrape up enough times against other people. And so some of us, you know, 
we don't, uh, it, it's, it can become unbearable or we just don't like it. And so we turn to something like a spiritual practice for some kind of relief from that suffering. Um, we turn to meditation, say. And then we get teachings like this, or and we have Zazen to help us learn to see our iciness and to take a breath and to relax and to melt a little bit, even for a moment. And it can help to relieve, relieve that suffering. Uh, Bokshu Sensei gave a talk uh, before Ango uh, about collisions. He described a collision that he had had on the street with somebody. It was a, it was a powerful talk. I recommend you go back and listen to it. Uh, it wasn't just a collision, but the person he collided with ended up assaulting him and leaving him um, prostrate on the street and then walked off with absolutely no compunction. But Bokashu used that and used the talk to see himself, including to see his anger over what had happened. Um, and that's what I think Aoyama Roshi is talking about here, to, um, to realize, uh, to see ourselves when we collide like that. We can use the Dharma, the teaching, to see ourselves when something like that happens. I remember uh, something like that happened to me decades ago. I was walking in the Mission District of San Francisco, and uh, it was it was back in the crack era. Um, that's how I date it. And there was a lot of there were a lot of people on the street. Um, some people were running back and forth across the sidewalk between the stores and the coat racks, and other people like me were walking up and down the the uh, sidewalk. Uh, so a lot of jostling going on. And then I saw, as I was walking north, another guy walking south, coming towards me. He was a hefty guy. He was wearing dark glasses. And he had this really heavy gait. Boom, boom, boom. He's coming right at me. And so I picked up, this guy was coming at me. And I thought, hmm, I, I want to get out of this guy's way. So he approached, I tried to get out of his way, but I was kind of stuck by the, the coat racks there. And uh, when he got to me, we were right up there together. And he turned and he looked straight at me. And when he did that, I just split. I, I went around the coat rack, around his back and started to go up the street to get away. Um, but then I'd look back and I saw that he turned around and he was looking at me. And then he started coming after me, boom, boom, boom. And I was out of there in a flash, you know. I was uh, up the street a block or two in a matter of seconds. But um, I don't know if I was flowing in Spanish. Uh, there's an expression, hacerse gas. I think I, I, I made myself gas. I just disappeared. <laughs> um, so... Um, uh, but the point here is um, that when we have collisions like this, if we are practicing and using the Dharma, we can see ourselves um, and see our own ice. So that it's really about us 
and not just about the other. And she goes as far as to say, we can even be grateful for the other person for allowing us to wake up in that moment. That sounds pretty radical, um, but maybe we can, we can do that too. Um, one thing that's, that's maybe obvious here, it's, she's not explicit about it, but it's implicit in what she says, is that um, actually water and ice have the same essential nature, right? Um, and uh, water dissolves, water freezes into ice, ice freezes into water. And we can't have a dualistic view of this and just say, oh, water is good and ice is bad, or freezing is bad and flowing is good. On a hot day, ice is good. On a busy sidewalk, flowing is good. But uh, it's valuable, I think, to see that that there is a fundamental commonality. In Buddhism, we call it Buddha nature that we have and that the person who rubs us the wrong way also has, that water has and ice has. Fundamental, common nature. And what is that fundamental nature? It's that there's actually no fundamental nature. It's just that like a cloud or like the water, we are changing constantly with causes and conditions. But if we can appreciate that equality, that commonness between ourselves and others, it can change the way we experience that collision. We can see um, the other is not so separate. We can see, um, we, can, uh, we can reduce that separation and we can melt a little bit in the moment. The last thing uh, I'll say is that, um, except for a few weeks of a year, we don't live in a monastery. And uh, therefore, uh, our homes and our workplaces are cities and towns are our monastery, our training site. Can you think of the city as a great monastery where you're practicing with other Buddhas? Can you think of your loud crash? Can you think of your, um, your home or your workplace as a monastery where you're practicing with other Buddhas? Our homes can be the big room for us, where we're practicing with our partners and family members. Our uh, office can be uh, the wash tub, where we're cleaning up our karma. So, uh, so we can do this. We can do this practice of practicing together with other, other Buddhas. And it's an ongoing, nonstop process. In one moment, realizing that we're stiff, that we're tight, that we're hard, that we've frozen up, 
and relax and let out a breath and melt a little bit. And then in the next moment, see again that hardening and then allow ourselves to melt. And then in the next moment, freezing in the next moment, melting. Good luck in the wash tub in the big room. Thank you.